Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Why am I here? Why am I in this very confined space? Because this morning I'm going to talk to you about Enlarge. And I want this physical representation to stick with you as I unfold the message to you this morning. Because the key things, and I'm going to give them to you right now, and then I'm going to expound on them in the next uh, 20 or 30 minutes or so, is that if we're looking for enlarge in our lives, then the space that we live in could actually be the very thing that is restricting our growth. If you can't do this without hitting things, then chances are the environment around you is just too constricting. There's going to be times when these walls may need to get pushed out, adjusted, perhaps even smashed down. If there are things behind you that are in your past, perhaps, and they're still pulling you back, then those things need to be removed also. So this morning is about enlarge, taking down barriers and bringing about the things that you need to have happen in your life. So this month, um, our theme is on enlarge, of course, which is what I'm talking about this morning. And I'll just uh, get you, Matthew, just to throw up that first scripture for me. Uh, This is Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 2, which says, Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch the tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, and that's what you need to do. So as you saw with that physical demonstration there, if we're going to enlarge and stretch There's got to be room around about our lives for an order to that to happen. And you might think, well, that kind of makes sense. But we can be so accustomed to living in a space like that, that it just becomes natural. It's just like, well, this is what my world is like. But we're called to live larger lives. We're called to expand our world. Uh, The gospel tells us to go out into all the world and to preach the gospel. So that was Jesus telling his disciples, and therefore us through the ages, that we're meant to go out there, and, 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 sorry, we're meant to go out there into the entire world and impact the entire world. We can't do that if we have those sorts of constraints behind us. So bear that in mind as uh, we go through this journey. And you know, when we're talking about enlarging, quite often many of us will think about, okay, well, great, this. Here's this thing that I feel God challenging me to do, to step into, to move forwards into. And hopefully we'll all have those moments in our lives. But here's the thing with moments. They just last for a brief amount of time. We're not meant to enlarge just to step A or step B and then live there. We're meant to go through to step C, but not even live there. So if you've had some accomplishments in life and you said, Pastor Bruce, I've had enlarging in my life. Look where God has taken me. Fantastic. I celebrate with you. But if you've still got breath in your lungs, then God still wants to do enlarging for you. We're meant to be changed from glory to glory. And that's until the day that we go home. So if you've got to ABC, fantastic. Keep on heading to EFG all the way through to Z. And then start again or make up new letters of the alphabet. Whatever works for you. So my first point then, we're talking about enlarge. So here's my first point, create space. Number one, create space. And you know, as easy as a title like that might roll off the tongue, you've got to think about that, create space. It means doing. Not just thinking about, oh yeah, I should have space in my life. Well, should haves and could haves and gunners, we say that in Australia, he's a gunner, as in I'm going to do that, going to do that, uh, is our abbreviation in Australian. It's got to go beyond thinking about creating space. You need to actually create space in your life. Otherwise, whatever those things are, they're just not going to happen. So let me give you a few key things perhaps 
in areas in which you might need to create space around your life. And I'm not talking about, you know, if you're a homeowner, talking about, you know, knocking down walls and doing renovations. I was talking to someone before the service and they were sharing their, their sorts of ideas on enlarging the family home, and that's great. But what about our lives, personally? What are some of the things that translate to us enlarging? Well, maybe you need to create space. You need to create extra time around about you, around about your life. You might need to create some extra energy uh, that is inside of you. So that, that's things like maybe doing some physical exercise, uh, increasing a level of fitness, maybe uh, working on sleeping, eating well, all those sorts of things. They do add up. It might sound like, oh, that's just so carnal, Bruce. Just, you know, eat, you know, eat well and uh, sleep well and all those things. How can they possibly help? Well, they really do. You need to do those things. God understands we've got human bodies and we need to look after them the best we can. And the better we look after these bodies, the more things that we can do for God. And so enlarge and make space for those. Now, who's heard of this horrible phrase called budgeting? If you work in a company organisation, that basically means a lot of hard work. And if you're thinking about your own personal finances, that's even more like, yeah, okay, I'd rather not to. But we do know, or hopefully most of us know, that we do need to have some sort of uh, financial common sense. We need to have some financial knowledge, even in our personal lives. And budgeting is a part of that process. I was talking to uh, uh, one of the young adults a couple of weeks back, and they were just briefly sharing that uh, they've got an assignment on economics. I said, here's the answer for all of the economic stuff that they're going to be teaching you. Spend less than you earn. Simple as that. Spend less than you earn. They thanked me for that, but they thought they might need some few other ex- answers for the, uh, for the exams and for the, uh, the lecturers there. But that's it in a nutshell. Spend less than you earn, and that's one of the, uh, the keys to having great financial success. But if we're looking at financial budgeting, there's the two things that we look at. We look at our income, and we look at our expenses or the spending. So how much we get and how much we spend. And, and those are, are simple things. And within that you can then categorise, okay, well, what are those expenses? The things that I spend my money on, can you group those together? Yes, you can. The first lot is what we call fixed expenses. Those are things that you really don't have an option. You need to spend those things. You need to spend those dollars, whether you want to, would like to or not. And that's typically like your rent or your mortgage. Uh, Unless you're mortgage-free, great if you are. But even if you are mortgage-free, at one point you had a mortgage and you had to spend that sort of money. So that's a fixed expense. Then we have variable expenses. These are things that you do need to spend day to day, month to month, etc. Are there things like uh, medical expenses, perhaps car repairs, certainly car servicing. That's not every week, but it does, it does happen from time to time. So you've got fixed expenses, you've got variable expenses, and then you've got what we call discretionary spending. That's the fun stuff. That's where you get to go out shopping and buy clothes or knickknacks or gadgets, uh, going out for meals, uh, not because you need to eat, but just because of the fun aspect of it, socialising and networking with friends and family. Uh, Maybe even holidays, small holidays, big holidays. That's the discretionary. And out of all of that, boom, all your money goes. And if you're like me, it goes pretty quickly. So that's financial budgeting. But let me give you another aspect of budgeting. How about our time? and our energy or our time and our focus because we need to budget that as well because just like most of us have got fixed amount of money that comes into our lives we have all got a fixed amount of time that comes into our lives we've all got 24 hours no matter how great you are every single one of us we only get 24 hours a day if you've been a bad boy or a girl you don't get 23 hours you still get 24 hours 
not advocating bad behaviour, but we only get 24 hours. So how about the budgeting approach to our time and our focus? Again, we can have variable time things, we can have um, discretionary time things, and we can have uh, fixed times. So what are some of our fixed times? Well, part of your time will get used for sleeping. You have to. You have to sleep. You need to sleep. So some of your time will be taken up with sleeping. Uh, some of your time will be taken up with work, no doubt, or studying if you are a student. So those are fixed things. You really don't have a lot of control over those. So some of that time is already spoken for. Then again, you've got the variable time. That would be things like having time with God, reading uh, the Word, praying with Him, maybe doing some worship at home, whatever your sort of time with God looks like. Uh, family time, that's important, but that's variable. It changes uh, day by day, week by week. And again, there's that discretionary time. That's when you can hang out with friends, uh, look at serving God in those extra hours that you've got available to you. And that's also where this other thing happens is disappearing time. Anyone found that guy? I found that guy often. Disappearing time. I have no time. Where did it go? It was, it was available this morning when I woke up, and now it's just, boom, disappeared overnight, or it's disappeared within 24 hours. There's like, if we did a collection for all of the uh, lost time out there, we could keep on living for another five centuries, I'm sure. But, you know, it's not really about the time got lost. It's just that our allocation of the time didn't quite happen. So when we're looking at creating space and enlarging our lives, we can't get any more time than we've got. But what we can do is be more diligent with the time we have, and we can be the master of our time, not the other way around. So we need to allow time and energy so that we can enlarge. And the final thing to cap off this point, and this kind of like summarises it all, you may need to do some decluttering in your life. By that I mean the stuff that's just crept into your life, it takes up either your finances or it takes up your time or it takes up your focus. From time to time, we need to go through a decluttering process. Um, Robin and I love our real estate programs and, and renovation shows and things like that. And so we watched one of them last night and this couple were going through this home that they were considering buying. And their first comment was, oh, gee, it's a really small, pokey home, isn't it? And in actual fact, it wasn't. But because there was so much clutter in every single room, they weren't able to see beyond the clutter that was there. They just wrote the whole house off. Now, it was in a beautiful location. It met all of the criteria that this house hunting couple had, but they couldn't see beyond the clutter. That's all that took their focus. And I wonder how much our lives are like that as well. We can't see beyond the clutter. But if we took away the clutter and the things that are unnecessary, the distractions, the things that help with that whole, you know, I've lost time thing, when we start to claw those things away, we get to see how much more time and energy we've got. And all of a sudden, we may find our, our lives got a bit larger than they were before we started that process. All right, so that's my first point then, create space. Point number two, remove barriers. That's kind of what we also need to do to create space. So when I'm back here in this environment, this is a barrier. If I want to go to the right of my life and you know, check out whatever is there, I can only go so far because this wall is here. Likewise, over here on the left. But what we need to do sometimes is exert some pressure, do some praying, push some things out of our lives and move the wall away. Same over here. You think, that was great. I had a victory. How many of us get a victory and then stop again? 
it's not natural to keep on pressing forwards. It really isn't. Try it if you haven't already. You've got to go from victory to victory. So don't even come to this point and go, Bruce, I've enlarged my life. Look, look at all this extra space I've got. Great. You know what happens when you create extra space around your life? Unless you are in control of your time, it will get filled with cluttering things again. Things not necessarily of your choosing. So when you push out some walls and you create space in your life, make sure that you are still in control of that. But don't just rest there. Because God can do stuff with you once you've made space for him, but only so much. So how about you make even more space and push this other wall around and get rid of all the barriers that might restrict you on what you need to and want to do in your lives. So bring some walls down. Now that, I know, is a bit difficult, depending on what your life circumstances has been. You might lack confidence going, well, I kind of know that I need to get rid of that wall. I know it's been a bit of barrier, but I don't know, what if? What if it doesn't work? What if is one of the most disempowering statements you can ever have? It's not a faith statement. But change it around to, what if? What if I believed in God? What if I attached faith to whatever it is? What if I believe that when I move that wall across, things are going to open up in my life? Can I encourage you, if you are lacking some confidence in pushing away some of those barriers, seek godly wisdom, read his word, get guidance from God, believe and trust in him, and take that step of pushing down those barriers, removing those walls. Maybe it's past hurts. Oh, yeah, but the last time I did that, somebody upset me, somebody hurt me. Folks, we live in a fallen world. None of us are perfect. We're all trying to get better day by day. Unfortunately, we will get offended. We will get upset. We will get hurt from time to time. But if we stop every time that happens, none of us are going to move forwards. So we need to try and recover from those instances. If there's something that we've done, try and make it great. If it was none none of our own fault, look, that happens sometimes as well. Great opportunity to exercise grace and say, God, I'm hurt by this, but please help me to overcome my hurt. And pray for them. The Bible tells us that. The Bible says pray for your enemies. One of the reasons it says that is so that it helps us get our heart right. God understands that when someone offends us, when someone hurts us, our natural response is to fight back or to shrink. But if you forgive them and you do that wholeheartedly, it's as if that offense never happened. And you don't shrink back. You actually step forwards. You don't shrink. You expand and you enlarge your life. Now, of course, don't just go crazy and smash down walls, gangbusters, uh, without thinking about it. Get some wisdom. If you've got some, uh, some great trusted friends who are also believers, then maybe talk to them about some of the things you're thinking about doing. Uh, the Bible says, you know, get wisdom. And so make sure you do that. Uh, don't just go recklessly smashing down things. A bit like the house renovations, uh, you can actually knock down a wall and realize it's what they call a load-bearing wall. Now, a load-bearing wall is one that goes typically through the middle of a house, and um, the roof is actually sitting on top of that wall, and the tiles and the the tin or whatever it is. So if you knock down a wall and it happens to be a load-bearing wall, you will soon discover the laws of physics, as in the roof will fall down. So do some due diligence first. Make sure that you don't just smash up things for the sake of it, uh, but look at moving forwards and knock down those walls. Here's the other thing that I've noticed over life. Life can get, in our society at least, and we live in a blessed society, our life can get pretty cruisy, pretty comfortable. And I know for me that I need to make sure that I'm not just feeling so comfortable that I don't want to stretch anymore. I'm always giving myself new challenges and saying, God, what might you have next for me? What can I do? How can I grow? How can I develop myself? 
the whole, you know, pull to mediocrity, just going back to the norm, just doing the bare minimums, that is so easy to do. You see that in the workplace. I've seen it in the workplace over the years. There's the job description, and that's all the person does. When it comes to knockoff time, if you are in a work environment where there are official starting hours and finishing hours, you've got the clock watchers. They're looking at the clock. Okay, one minute to go, and they're out of the door. I'm not saying you need to work for free and become slaves, but check out your level of comfortableness and make sure that you are still pushing yourself uh, to grow and enlarge. Okay, that's step number two, remove barriers. Step number three, or point number three, is grow and enlarge. This is a great scripture that I've got that I want to show you now. Let's have a look at this. This is Matthew chapter 4 and verses 18 through to 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Now, there's a lot of amazing stuff about this scripture. First of all, as far as we can tell, they'd never met Jesus before. Yet this strange dude says, hey, come follow me. It's like, why, why should I do that? And he says even something more strange, I'll make you fishers of men. Like, is this a surf life-saving recruitment thing? Is this what's going on here? Like, what do you mean you're going to make me fishers of men? Are there men floating around on the, the sea that they need rescuing? So that's pretty amazing, the fact that... but. You know what? They responded because they heard the voice of God. They responded to the call of God. And here's three things I want to show you in this scripture. First of all, there was call. Jesus said, come, follow me. Secondly, there was equipping. Jesus didn't just say, come, follow me. He told them what he would do. He says, I will send you out. So there's instruction as to what you will do. I will send you out to fish for people. So he told them what they were were going to do. And he let them know that he was going to teach them, instruct them, equip them with what it is that he wanted them to do. And then the final thing is they had a response. They could have just stayed there and not responded to that call. But they did. At once they left their nets and followed him. And the significance of that, of leaving their nets, they were fishermen. That's like you being a carpenter um, and having your tool chest and all your power saws and uh, the trailer that you tow around with all the other things that you've got and someone coming to you saying, leave all that, come and follow me and you just walk away. You leave your tradies ute, you leave all your tools and you just follow him. That's what this was like for these guys. At once they left their nets and followed him. So what God calls you to, he equips you for. But this is the scary part, the choice is up to us. And I preached a message a few months ago on the power of yes. Um, And that's because that came out of something that God did in my life over two years ago now. And it still resonates incredibly powerfully in my life. The power of saying yes. So again, I want to encourage you. If you feel even the slightest urging or inkling by the Holy Spirit to do something, to say something to somebody, say yes. Take a stab in the dark. Look at moving these walls away from your lives. So the best thing you can do is enlarge your life. So what am I talking about? Well, I don't know. I don't know your lives. But there will be things that God will be wanting you to enlarge, opportunities uh, that he would give you. It's about putting God first, though. And we see all throughout scriptures that Jesus did a lot of this. 
he seemingly abandoned the very people that he was ministering to and discipling. He seemingly abandoned um, the miracles that he was doing. But what he was doing, he was putting the right things first. He would go away and spend time with God the Father to the exclusion of all the other things, all the things that he was supposedly called to do, which he was. And I can imagine the disciples going, Jesus, you know you're doing a lot of this praying thing. What about all these healing people? And what about all these miracles? He put the right things first. He put God the Father first. And then out of that, he was able to do even more than he would if he didn't follow those things in the first place. So before, though, you can enlarge the things that you were doing in your life, it all starts with us, the individual. We need to actually enlarge ourselves before we can do that. Now, if I told you that I'd been hitting the gym lately and pumping iron, you're probably going to think I'm not doing too well or I've only just started. Here's an image for you, which is a bit of a uh, characterisation. There we are. That was me almost a couple of weeks ago, sweating it. For some reason, this guy's a bit of a mutant. He's got huge big thigh muscles there. And they're not so much biceps, but they're shoulder muscles. So I'm really not sure uh, what's going on there. But you really do need to enlarge your life before you can go on and do anything else. My next image, if you do that, is... There we go. That's a silhouette of me, actually. You can't see the detail, but that's pretty much me. This is an optical illusion. We've got 3D lighting up here. I'm, I'm way more buff than you think I am. Well, let me show you another scripture then. This is uh, Colossians chapter 2 and verses 6 to 7. So then, just as you received Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Now, if I, if I was to describe that as a verb, as far as English uh, grammar is concerned, a verb is a doing word. That's the basics of what a verb is. This is kind of like a verb a verb part of scripture. It's a doing scripture. Strengthening yourself up as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness, and the beginning of verse 7 there, rooted and built up in him. Now, again, this is not a one-off. You don't just do this one morning. Great, done that, Jesus. I'm built up. No, no, no. It's a continual thing that we need to do. And this is just one of many scriptures you will find where God's wanting us to always develop and get better and get stronger. We should be able to look back at our lives in a year's time, in five years' time, and see we've come from somewhere, hopefully to a greater place of empowerment. And I'm not just talking about ministry. I'm talking about just being a better mother, being a better father, uh, being a better employee, a better friend, uh, and of course, ministering and doing the stuff that God has before you. And that's just everyday things. Because that's what Jesus' ministry was about. He was just about there, walking around, doing everyday things. Although there just happened to be quite a lot of supernatural everyday things, like healing leprosy, healing blind people, healing the lame, raising people from the dead, just, you know, that kind of stuff. Easy for him. Okay, the last thing to have a look at here uh, with growing and large is that sometimes it's just a case of working smarter, not harder. Sometimes it's about working smarter rather than faster. It doesn't mean we have to go at a snail's pace, but it can just be being more efficient about what it is that you do. I've worked for various manufacturing companies over the years, and there was a big uh, change in the way that manufacturing got done around about 25 or 30 years ago, um, and it was called VAM, V-A-M, Value Adding Management. 
and I was in the manufacturing area and it was about the fact that the people that were on the manufacturing production floor, not the people in the offices, but the people on the manufacturing floor, they were with the product day in, day out. And chances are they had some ideas, they had some frustrations about why these things would take so long. And so there was this whole paradigm shift that happened and it actually started in Japan um, through the Toyota Motor Company. And they said, let's ask the people on the floor at the coal face, let's ask them for their ideas. What slows things down? How can you be more efficient? So they got people looking around on how they could do things better. And out of that came huge, incredible productivity gains. It was just about working smarter, not necessarily harder. And uh, another example on how sometimes our way of doing things faster sometimes seem better. Ever driven along some freeways and roads and you've got that car that's coming up behind you, weaving in and out, zigzagging, and they zoom past and they're weaving in and out. And then you pull up at the set of traffic lights and they're there. They've been waiting there all that time at the red light and then you just catch up to them. And occasionally, off they go again, tearing away, and the next set of traffic lights, they're there and you pull up to them as well. They've got to be incredibly frustrated at that, thinking all of my effort, all of this, what gives? What's the deal about with this? Well, they're going faster but not necessarily smarter. It actually doesn't achieve anything at all if that's your approach. But if you're working smarter rather than harder... You're trying to be more effective with the time that you've got. You're allowing God to use you in the way that he has designed you to be used. Then that is gold. Can I encourage you, don't try and be somebody else. You need to be you. God needs you to be you. That's why he's made you unique. If he wanted two people exactly the same, I think he would have made two people exactly the same. Every single one of us is unique and God wants us to be that way. So be a better version of you. Okay, that's uh, point number three, grow and enlarge. So we've set the scene for the sorts of things that you need to be thinking about. If we're going to enlarge our life, we've got to look at moving away some barriers, busting down some walls. The next thing, of course, is that we need vision. Now, vision is a thing that we use a fair bit. It's talked about in the Bible. It just means seeing something or believing for something that hasn't yet happened, having an idea. You might actually you know, see it in your mind's eye. You might see it in your imagination. It might be somebody is doing something and you see yourself doing that as well. And so that's your vision. You can say, I can see myself doing that. I remember uh, as a new Christian, um, I'd come into, into the church. I, I hadn't really grown up in a church environment. So when I became a Christian just over 30 years ago, I came to a church similar to this one, and I saw the guy up here preaching and sharing God's word. And after about three months of me going to church, I started to see myself up here. I thought, I can see myself doing that and not just see it. I actually think that's part of what I'm meant to be doing in my life. And so I kept that in my heart and made sure that I did whatever I could so that this could happen if God wanted it to. Now, that wasn't me making it happen, but I certainly positioned myself so that if I had seen correctly, if I kind of felt from God correctly that this is what he wanted me to do, then I wanted to do all that I could so that I could allow this to happen rather than put barriers there to prevent that very thing from happening. So vision is going to look differently for every single one of us. But if you've got vision and insight and uh, an idea from God, if you know it's from God, then it's the sort of stuff that doesn't fade. It sticks with you over time. It's not just a, a, a light bulb idea and, it's, and you've forgotten it five minutes later. If that's the case, then it was just a light bulb idea. But if it stays with you, and it certainly did with me, then that's the stuff to be working towards. 
So we looked at um, this arrangement here. We needed to push back some of the walls. Vision. Let me show you what vision looks like. And Connor, I think I'm going to need your help here, wherever you are, one side of the stage or the other. Oh, you're behind. Have you been there all the time? No. Okay. Excellent. Let's push up. Almost there. A little bit more. Great. Vision needs revealing. You've got to give yourself some time in your life so that God can reveal to you whatever your vision is. Now, substitute that, I'm guessing, European city. Doesn't look like Australia, does it? More than likely a European city. Substitute that image with whatever the thing is that God has placed on your life or that you think God has placed on your life. He will reveal, he will unwrap the vision to you. And when you first see it, one or two things will happen. You'll be incredibly excited or incredibly panicking, going, oh, God, I could never do that. Well, chances are those two reactions, although they're different, they're probably the right reaction. If you think you can't do that without God, excellent. More than likely, that is a God vision idea. If you think you can do that, maybe it's go there. If you can go, yep, not a problem, easy, easy. Well, maybe that's a vision, but it's a starting vision for you. Maybe you need a bigger vision on there. But that's the idea. Your vision will work, but there needs to be steps. If you want to get from here to there, if I used travel as an example, travel as an analogy, if you're going to get from here to there, then it's going to require some steps. There, first of all, needs to be plans. How will you get there? What will you do to actually arrive there? Let me show you this interesting example that I came across just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and when I came across this, uh, these images I'm about to show you, I immediately thought, wow, that would actually make a really good sermon illustration point. And then when I was preparing this message, uh, it came back to my mind again uh, to show it to you. So let me show you this first image. Uh, this is a young lady called Jessica Cox. She's a pilot. Um, on the left-hand side there, that's kind of like a flight simulator uh, thing that she is standing in front of. Next image. Thank you, Matthew. That's her plane on the left-hand side there, a little blue one. Can't say I like the blue colour, but anyway. Um, so um, this lady, I can uh, reveal, she's a pilot, and she owns that plane. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And it doesn't look like she's you know, 75 years old. She's a very young lady and yet owns this plane. I'd love to know what the secret uh, to that one is. So obviously she aspired to be a pilot, and I can tell you she is a pilot. Um, you, you don't have to buy a plane to be a pilot, but I suppose if you buy your own plane, then it's yours and you can use it whenever you want. And so she obviously had some ideas with that. So that's quite a big challenge. Becoming a pilot is not an easy thing to do. Um, I've kind of like dreamed about it, but also had a bit of a reality check. And my wife, Robin, helped me with that reality check by saying, Bruce, this is going to cost a lot of money. I don't think it's within our means, sweetie, to do this at the moment. Uh, so she's kind of like, right. So in the meantime, I just fly on planes as often as I can. Uh, but obviously, this lady, Jessica, had more than a, an idea for that. So why am I highlighting just this one lady? There's, she's one of tens of thousands of pilots around the world. Let me show you the next image. Jessica was born with no arms. So that's her getting into that plane with no arms. Because she was, it wasn't like an accident, she was born with no arms at all. And she does a bit of an interview on this uh, uh, television program that this is from. 
And she says, well, look, my brain just realised that I didn't have arms, but it just reprogrammed my feet and my legs to function as hands and to do all the things that I needed to do uh, all by myself. And she is fully self-sufficient, can look after herself. Here's an image of one of the things that she does. That's her applying makeup. Isn't that amazing? Just all the ladies are going, wow, I can't even do that without illumination, uh, let alone trying your feet. Here's the next one, which is even more gobsmacking. Look at that. She actually plays piano. And there's nothing propping up her back. That is her self-supporting. So she would have abs to die for, I'm telling you. Just unbelievable. And uh, here's the final image of her actually flying the plane. So that's her feet using the controls. And she actually crosses her legs. She finds that easier uh, to be able to fly the plane. And she bought a, that particular plane that you saw, that little blue one. It's the only plane in the world that actually has hand controls. And you might think, well, that's not good. She hasn't got any hands. What the significance is that with most planes, you need hands to steer the plane and you also need feet for the pedals uh, to control other parts of the plane. And so most planes require hands and feet. This particular brand and model of plane only requires hand controls. And Jessica thought, not a problem. My feet are my hands. This is the plane I can get. So she didn't need to modify the plane at all. That plane that she flies, this little cockpit that you can see, that's straight out of the box. That's how the plane is operated. And she gets to fly that. Incredibly inspiring. Thanks for that, Matthew. And at the end of that little episode... She, um, she gave this uh, short little testimony, and this is the part that really spoke to me. These are her words uh, from that particular episode. Um, and that episode, by the way, it's from a series called The Aviators, uh, which is on Amazon Prime. Not a plug for them, but that's just where the, uh, the content came from. But here's a testimony. This is her words. Everyone has something that keeps them from doing what they would like to do. It can seem intimidating, but if you do something one step at a time, you start progressing. You start building momentum and you eventually get to a point you're able to accomplish that goal, but you can't let the fear stop you. Just break it down, take it one step at a time and don't be afraid to do it. What incredibly wise words from a young lady, and I don't know whether she knows God or not, but I thought, wow, that really did speak to me when I was thinking about this message of enlarge. Because some of the things that you might feel that God has placed on your heart, if they're really freaking you out because of the scale of them, that's probably God. And that's a good thing. And as I said before, say yes to those sorts of questions. Look for how God can use you to enlarge whatever those things actually might be. You move away the barriers, take, take away those things that might be preventing you for that. Always make sure that you've got vision in front of you, always moving towards that. So if you've got vision for A, B and C, when you get there, great, but don't let that be the end of the story. When you get to ABC, make sure there is an EFG waiting before you. And when you get to the EFG, the next letters of the alphabet, all the way through, you should find that God develops and grows things through you um, over the years as you get to follow him. Do all of that on a, uh, an ongoing basis. So we can see then that if we're going to be enlarging, then we need to put our vision into action. There needs to be some doing, and certainly Jessica uh, did that also. So I might just ask the worship team if you guys could uh, come back, thanks, as I get on to my uh, last point this morning. 
So that's step four, have vision. Step number five then is action vision. We need to put action to our vision. It's not much point having a great idea without doing anything about it. For example, if I had a plate of food here and showed you all and tempted you all because it had, I don't know, whatever your favourite food is. I was talking to someone before the service and they mentioned they were out for dinner recently having some uh, profiteroles for dessert. Who loves profiteroles? I love them. I could all, my was actually salivating when they were telling me about this. But, um, you know, I could have those right before you. And that might be great. And you can go, oh, I really want those. But if I don't give them to you, if you don't get an opportunity to eat them, then apart from being really mean and torturous, it's of no value to you, is it? Seeing something, knowing what you can do with it, but if you don't do anything with it, it's completely useless. You could starve to death if you don't do something with that plate of food that's before you. The, the food is there for your nourishment. The food is there because your body needs it. When God gives you a vision, it's there for a reason. It's not because he had a spare leftover and just tossed them out. It's not like who's, who wants the, you know, it's not a, that stuff they do at the supermarkets where there's a, a use-by date, you know, clearance items. God doesn't work like that. God doesn't have clearance items for vision. If he's given you a vision, it's because he wants it for you and for your life. And you are the only person that can do whatever he's called you to do. But if you don't take that vision and run with it, just like your physical body would die if you do not eat food long term, you will actually start to shrivel up and shrink spiritually if you do not do with what God has put before you. That's why he gives you vision, because it's to make us always step forward. It's to seek him out. We need to do that. If you're not going forwards, you actually aren't staying still. You're going backwards. It's like plants. You know, you've got to water them regularly. Saying I gave them a really big water at the beginning of the week and you get days like 40 degrees yesterday. If you don't water the plants, telling it that you gave them a really good water a couple of days ago, that doesn't matter. Today, it needs fresh stuff. That's what your lives are like. Today, you need fresh things. Today, you need to step into the vision that God has given you. Today, you need to enact just one step at a time. Like Jessica said, don't be fearful. Just do one step at a time. Break it down. If the, the vision before you is so daunting, and me as a young Christian, when I saw preachers up here, I thought, oh, wow, I can, I can kind of see myself doing that. But I had no idea how one would ever get to this point if this was what God wanted somebody to do. And it took me time to understand, well, first of all, you've got to know God, you've got to read your Bible, and then there's other things. Obviously, probably going to Bible college would probably help, so I did that. But it was just one step at a time for me to move into what I believe God had for my life. And it's the same for each of us. And there's been many other visionary moments and visionary events in my life that I've said yes to, but they are just one step at a time. And we need to do that so that we stay alive and active. Now, sometimes that might need repositioning yourself. And when you have to reposition yourself, sometimes the people that are closest around you don't understand why you are doing that. So exercise some caution and some wisdom. Um, I, I, I heard many years ago, I don't think we have it as much these days, but there was a lot of zeal sometimes when people uh, became Christians around about the time that I got became a Christian. And they said, oh, I've got all these friends and they're not Christians now, so I've got to stop associating with them. And I heard some of these people say, I've told my friends, you can't be my friend anymore because I'm a Christian and you're not. 
I went, wow, that's pretty tragic uh, that you don't get to become a Christian, show a changed life so that they might see Jesus in you. Why not keep that connection? But there might be some things that you need to perhaps some relationships maybe pull away from. Maybe there's some activities that you are currently involved in and, and I'm not suggesting that perhaps they're sinful, but maybe they're just not helpful for you. Just like your diet. You can, you can eat a whole bunch of things and they do say, you know, everything in moderation. Well, I don't think everything in moderation is true because arsenic in moderation, not good as far as I understand things to go. But just like, you know, tweaking your diet a little bit, how about tweaking your spiritual diet, your visionary diet? Maybe there's some things that you just need to reduce on so that you can focus on what it is that God has for you. Take away any of those things that might be limiting you. It might reposition yourself to get into that. When it comes to our vision, we are meant to constantly be moving forwards with that. If we're not moving forwards, we're staying still. Um, Our human bodies are made for movement. Um, I do know this. I worked uh, in aged care for quite a while. And um, with some elderly people, if they get arthritic conditions, it's difficult to move and it can be painful for them to move. But in actual fact, that is exactly the the therapy they need. They need to do movement. So they do like water treatments. They do water aerobics, things like that. It can be counterintuitive sometimes to our mind thinking well I just need to wait until God does something I just need to pause until this becomes bigger in my life that will never happen we need to be constantly active we need to be constantly moving forwards and finally as I wrap up here the purpose of vision that's great if your aspiration is to go to that vista, that landscape, then looking at it won't achieve it. Even getting up closer, almost to the point of being able to touch it, that's still not enough. Vision is not just for looking. Vision is not just for inspiring. Vision is for doing. We need to do whatever it is that God has got before us. Those steps, whatever might require. So for the vision that is in your life, the things that are on your hearts, what do they look like and how far ahead in your life does your vision take you? Is it just about tomorrow? Tomorrow it's back to work if you work on a Monday. That's my vision is get up, you know, go to work, come home, feed the dog, feed the cat, say hi to the kids. Does your vision take you to next week? How about maybe to the end of the month? If I can just get through to the end of 2019, then that's my vision. Maybe it takes you for the next five years. That's what I see myself doing. Maybe it takes you to the next 10 years. And I appreciate the further out these numbers I'm talking about, you think, does anyone get visions for 10 years, for for 20 years? I don't know. Let me ask you this. What's your life's journey? What do you think God has placed you here on on the planet for, generally speaking? I know someone who had an amazing vision. It was Jesus. His vision wasn't just to heal the blind person that came across him today. It wasn't just to get to the other side of the lake. It wasn't just to go to the cross. Jesus' vision was for all of eternity. Jesus' vision was for you and for me and for the whole world. That's a pretty impressive vision. So maybe we need to move away from the daily vision to the life vision But between now and the end of our days, let's fill in those dots with the actual things that God might want us to develop and bring into his life. Now, here's the ultimate vision that you can have in your life. Here's the ultimate way 
that you can enlarge your life. And it's this, that if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Saviour, this is the best way, the biggest enlarge that will ever happen in your life. And so I'm talking to everybody here uh, that is in this auditorium this morning. I'm talking to everybody here on the YouTube channel uh, who's watching this. Maybe you're listening to this um, through our podcast. The ultimate enlarge in your life is to accept Jesus into your life. And then he will give you a vision. Firstly, it's a forgiveness of sin. Secondly, it's eternal life with him, which is pretty amazing. And then thirdly, it will be what amazing things he has got in store for you for the rest of your lives. So I'm just going to ask for some privacy here for everybody. If I could ask you all just to uh, uh, close your eyes and bow your heads and as you look around. I talked about how vision requires action. It requires you to do something. So I'm going to ask you to do something this morning if this applies to you. So if you don't know Jesus, if you've never said, Jesus, be my Lord, if you've never asked him into your into your life you've you've never prayed to him and asked to become a christian whatever the terminology you want to use if you've never done that or maybe you have done that previously and you know in your heart that you've fallen away from him he's not really lord of your life anymore but you sensing the prompting from god this morning well you can respond to that as well so i'm going to ask you to put vision into action, to enlarge your life physically, all it will be, I'm going to ask you in a few seconds, just to slip up your hand and then the whole church, we're going to pray a great prayer with you, praying you and you're going to pray yourself into the kingdom to enlarge your life and to put eternity into your lives as well. So as I look around this morning, anyone like that, you've never asked Jesus into your life or you have in the past and you know you need to get closer to him, you need to reconnect as I look around. All you need to do is pop your hand up And uh, we can all pray together as a church. Thank you, Jesus. As I look around, down the back there, thank you. Fantastic. And maybe here on the YouTube channel or on the podcast, if this is you, then I would like you to say this prayer. And the whole church, we're going to say all this together. It's so easy. Let's just pray this. Lord Jesus. I thank you that you died for me. I want to enlarge my life by inviting you into my life right now. I thank you for forgiveness of all my sin. I thank you for eternal life. Help me to follow you for every day of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. I'm going to pray this. You don't need to pray this. Lord, I thank you for all those people all around the world, perhaps, who have just responded. They've just invited you, Jesus, into their lives. They've just enlarged their life in a way that they will never do again in such a significant way. Father, I thank you for each of them. I pray that you make it real, that you will show them the steps, that you will give them vision and purpose for their lives. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. There's another way that if you didn't respond just now in that way by raising your hand, we've got another way that you can respond, or even if you did respond, um, we call this our yes texting. There's a phone number if you're living in Australia, and you can text yes to 0488 826 392. Just text the word yes to that number, and that can be your meaningful way of saying yes to Jesus. When you do that, we'll receive that number. Your number is handled internally here within Metro Church. We don't give your details out to anybody else. But what happens then is that at 7 a.m. the next day, or depending on when you do this, perhaps the following day after that, 
But at 7 a.m. each day, you will get a short Bible verse and you'll get a sample prayer on how you can pray and apply that particular Bible verse. And you'll get that free of charge for the next 30 days. It's our way of helping you to start reading God's Word, having life spoken into your life, and to see how easy it is to pray. Praying really... Praying is just having a conversation with God and having some meaningful things that you're putting before Him. So you'll get that for 30 days. Um, you can opt out anytime if you want to, although why would you? Uh, and then there's mini-series that you can opt into after that 30 days if you'd like to do that. Alternatively, if you're here today and you'd like some more information about that, um, you can just go out to our Connect Hub as you leave the auditorium just at the left-hand side there. Speak to our team in the Connect Hub. Uh, if you'd like a Bible, we will give you one absolutely free of charge. We'd love to do that for you. We've got other resources that are available to you so just speak to the team at the connect hub about anything any answers you've got about or any sorry questions you have about jesus and the church all of that we'd love to be a blessing for you with all of that 